Higher learning and intellects burning. It's Rhyme and Reason 582. Hey there, Tony here, and I hope you're feeling good, ready for a walk. A nice little walk down memory lane to go way, way back in the 20th century. That's when I attended a, a college in the rural countryside of Kansas. And have you ever watched that episode of The Waltons where John Boy finally got to go to college? Well, watching him go to college is practically like watching me show up for my first day because the halls of higher learning held that same mystique of hopeful anticipation for me, too. I just thought, oh, this is so cool. It's college. Man, we can go to the different buildings and go inside and learn way more than we ever could have in high school. And there'll be way better books. And, and you know, just walking inside, it smelled like knowledge. But you know what? Higher learning ain't always what it's cracked up to be. Unfortunately for me, by the time I was in college, it was nothing like John Boy's experience. Universities had already become fertile ground for thought control. They were still more uh, subtle and clever under underneath the surface more back then, but that's what was going on. But thankfully it was happening, well, I don't know, pretty slowly at the college where I was because, like I said, you know, it's rural countryside of Kansas. And well, I'll just say it's in Manhattan College. Manhattan College. Well, there you go. See, you go to college, you learn how to talk. You learn how to become great, great to speaker. <laughs> it was Manhattan, Kansas, the uh, Kansas State University. That's where I went. And that's part of the country where generations have grown up with a Christian conservative worldview. However, as I attended classes like Western Civilization and Sociology 1 and 2, I, I noticed that there was rhetoric I had never heard before. And maybe I was just too naive because I was raised with a Christian conservative worldview, too. And even my high school had leaned heavily in that direction, in the Christian conservative Christian worldview. We had prayer in the morning over the loudspeaker uh, in some way or another. We had it for pretty much every, um, what they used to call them, assembly. There was assemblies. And there would be, you know, the lead-in and the lead-out prayers and, for, and before football games and basketball games, you know, it was, it was included. So, and that was a secular school. And I've mentioned before in other, I think, other episodes where how strict it was. But anyway, that's taking me off of what I was talking about here. It didn't take me years of college to figure out that the so-called enlightenment in the halls of higher learning was at least a little bit Orwellian. George Orwell, 1984. And that became glaringly apparent on one of my homework assignments. Uh, The year I first attended college, a measure was put to the voters in Kansas on whether or not motorcyclists would be required to wear helmets. You know, that's a serious issue. It's going to change the course of the world. And my journalism professor, I believe it was, had, had given us an assignment to to uh, present a pro or con view on the controversial topic. We could decide which side we wanted to take. So I chose the motorcycle helmet issue on that was on the ballot. 
And uh, it's really too bad I don't still have that paper, you know, that I could read and show what I wrote. Um, but, you know, like I said, this all happened way, way back in the 20th century. So the ink would probably be completely faded from the papyrus anyway. So, <laughs> all right. I took the somewhat controversial man, oh man, just got this new mouth, can't do a thing with it. I got the somewhat controversial no helmets side of the uh, debate in my head. And uh, I wrote about how it would end up being another small step toward total government control of every corner of our lives. I wasn't a libertarian. No, no, I was not that. But I did believe that government was getting too big for its britches, even back then. In my, I don't know, I I, I turned 20 the first year I was there. So anyway, thankfully, there were still plenty of others back then who agreed with my position on the topic, and helmets were not required on motorcyclists. It passed, however you want to say that. But I was surprised at how passionate others could be in their opposing opinions. They actually seemed angry about it. And, you know, it just got me. It's like, we're just having a discussion on this, aren't we? I thought we were just talking it over, getting the the points out. Well, silly me, like I said, naive uh, because of my upbringing, I suppose. But you fast forward to 2020, and what happened back in my college days seems pretty darn innocent compared to what's currently going on. And nowadays, people don't just present passionate opinions. Somehow or another, it got to the point where large groups of people have determined it's perfectly fine to riot and loot and burn down businesses to express their views. But here's a key point. Get this point, please. Get this point. We have voted our way into this mess. Voted. Yeah? Yeah, understand what I'm saying? The, the, the stuff was, the, the, uh, the people who were in charge, this wasn't forced on us. We voted them into position. And I predict we won't vote our way out of it. Okay? Now, that sounds a little dark and ominous, so I'll just leave it uh, there for you to ponder. You can feel free to disagree with me and let me know that. You can email me, Tony at TonyFunderberg.com, and that comes right to me, nobody else. But I'll leave you with this. Passion doesn't make you right. Learning doesn't shed more light. When it's learning based on lies and rebellious alibis. That's it for this episode of Rhyme and Reason Podcast. And it's always brought to you by TonyFunderberg.com where you can get the t-shirt that says, Life has rhyme and reason because God made you. There's a rhyme.